Hello and welcome to Technology and the Arts, a podcast exploring the connections between technology and art. Episode 71 of the podcast marks the fall 2014 season premiere of Technology and the Arts and features lightly edited audio from a live Google Plus Hangout on Air conducted on September 8, 2014. In this installment, we focus on cord cutting, the pros and cons, as well as the tips, tricks, and tools to make eliminating the cable television provider from your life a reality. All of this and more is just ahead on Technology and the Arts for Friday, September 12, 2014. Now, here are your hosts, Brian Kelly and John Lamazny. Hello and welcome to the fall 2014 season premiere of Technology and the Arts. My name is Brian Kelly. And I'm John Lamazny. And together we're going to explore the connections between technology and art. John, it's good to see you again. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well, Brian. How are you? Doing excellent. Thanks for asking. What you been up to lately? Well, um, consulting is going really well. Uh, in the event that you or your company or a friend of yours or anybody you know <laughs> needs some help with uh, computers, technology, infrastructure, problem solving, uh, go to lamazny.com, L-E-M-A-S-N-E-Y.com. And let's have a conversation about how I can help you. Uh, besides all that, I've been doing a lot of work with organizations and migrating away from other solutions to Google applications and working with libraries in order to help uh, both patrons and libraries to integrate technology better. And been learning a lot about some of the things that I have not focused on as much as I would like to have in the past, like Arduino and uh, JavaScript and coding in general. And it's been a lot of fun. How about you? Well, um, if I can get back to the script here, <laughs> our outline, uh, I remember what I was going to talk about. Uh, well, actually, I guess first, uh, I'm almost through a year of transformation, I guess, uh, some weight loss. I haven't lost as much as I wanted to, but I'm almost there and, uh, have, I think the last time we did this, when we had the special episode on, uh, Trenton computer festival in the spring, I think I had just run in the broad, maybe not, but I ran in the broad street run back in early May. Uh, and a couple weeks ago I did the Heights town, New Jersey sprint triathlon, which was a quarter mile swim in a lake in Petty Lake in Heightstown, a uh, 15-mile bike ride and a uh, 5K run. And this coming Sunday, I'll be doing the Atlantic City International Triathlon, which is a one-mile swim, 20-mile uh, bike ride, and a 10K. And then in November, I'll be uh, doing the Trenton Half Marathon. So doing all these athletic events, and did some training when I had some free time, but that free time is gone because I now have a full-time job doing PR marketing for a prestigious regional theater based in central New Jersey, and it's been an amazing experience so far. And actually, I'm, I just found out today I'm going up to New York City tomorrow 
for a read-through with the actors, um, a meet-and-greet as well with the actors who will be in our first main stage production of the season. So that's going to be pretty fun. Congratulations. Uh, oh, thank you. Um, and next year I'm not going to have a chance to do any of this because my wife and I are having our second child. Congratulations. And thank you. And uh, also somehow I still have to mention this, even though I talked about it ad nauseum all last season. But remember that accordion part I recorded for my friend and former guest Christian Beach? Yes. On his cover of Yoko Ono's Silver Horse? Well, that album still has not come out yet, but supposedly Cut Pieces, a tribute to Yoko Ono, is finally being released by Main Man Records, supposedly on September 30th. I've seen the artwork and saw the special landing page designed for the CD. It's not out there publicly yet, but as uh, soon as that is public, ready for public consumption, I will uh, post links in uh, various places and share that. So that's that's basically uh, what I've been up to since we uh, last talked to each other and last had a Technology in the Arts episode. And, uh, you know, when we announced that we were going to be coming back for our new season a few weeks ago, um, we said that we we're going to be focusing on a specific theme for most of the episode. And so uh, for this week's episode, we're going to be talking about cord cutting shedding cable TV providers and going with internet-based services and subscriptions. And we'll discuss some of the options out there as well as, you know, pros and cons, because it's definitely not for everyone, at least not yet, but it is getting there. So, John, I know you're much more of a cable cutter, much more into the cable cutting movement and practiced cable cutting, you know, than I am. So if you want to, you know, start out with some uh, general comments, Sure. Well, um, I, for most of the last two years, have been without cable. And it corresponds with my movement to this apartment, which has been longer than that. Uh, I did have uh, Verizon, which I still have Fios for my internet connectivity, because Cable cutting is not about, or cord cutting is not about not having internet, but rather not having uh, cable specifically, a, a television service. I also don't have phone service uh, because I have a cell phone, right? So the, I would say that my primary reasons for being a cable cutter are, A, I, I really have been very, very frustrated in the past with most uh, cable services. I feel like there's all this overhead that gets in the way of you being able to get to your content when in reality, I really only want to watch maybe seven shows at a time at, 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 in a given season, right? And so instead of me paying the extra $30 a month or so that I would pay in order to get a cable package and uh, probably more than that because I have to pay for a DVR and I have to pay for um, the box that uh, provides DRM uh, allowances and 
have to deal with the the nonsensical way that you have to navigate through in order to get to what you want. And and I've been very frustrated with that too. You know, I'll I'll go and start up my TV and I'll say, I really want to watch X right now. And 20 minutes later, it seems like I still am not watching X because I had to, and Verizon especially uh, frustrated me with this. If I wanted to go to um, watch now, you know, or, or whatever, but I even forget. It's a lovely thing that I forget, but I forget what that uh, is called. It's not pay-per-view, but it's like, you know, I want to On go demand. On demand, thank you. Uh, you would have to navigate through... The navigation is horrible. And meanwhile, like, I have a browser. And when I want something on the Internet, I go to Google, I do a search for it, and I'm, I'm there. It should work at least that easily in, in being able to watch media of, of any kind, especially since I'm paying all this money. So I essentially really wanted to watch shows on AMC – and FX, and recently only AMC. And so my only caveats that I can find for my personal viewing, and I watch a lot of media, is that I don't, I'm not able to see Mad Men, uh, you know, I'm not able to see, uh, I wasn't able to see Breaking Bad, like as soon as it came out. And so my alternative was to buy it on Amazon or to buy it somewhere else, or in my case, quite honestly, to go torrent it. And I would not advocate that, except that it's sometimes difficult to find that content in a legitimate way. And if you want to see other people making the argument for why torrenting is sort of a last resort, but it is possibly the solution that you'll come up with, go and look at the oatmeal and his argument for um how difficult it is to legitimately, legally get to content without paying for cable when it's cable-based content. Because AMC and other cable-based providers sometimes make it exceptionally difficult to get to that content. Comedy Central is very good about it. Uh, relationships with Netflix uh, between cable-based providers and Netflix have gotten better because this is the way that people want to watch. And so I do pay for Amazon Prime, and quite honestly, I don't get my money's worth from the shipping, uh, the free shipping. I get my money's worth from uh, being able to see some shows that don't appear on Netflix. Uh, but for the most part, it's Netflix. And uh, HBO Go has been talking about the idea of making it able to be subscribed to outside of having a cable uh, contract. And right. when that happens, I mean, I would like to have Showtime because there are certain things I would really love to watch on Showtime. I would I would love to have HBO Go legitimately, legally, quite honestly, between you and me, I have it. But it's not mine. It's me borrowing somebody else's account. And HBO, quite honestly, doesn't really care about that because – they still get a benefit from that content being watched and loved and blah, 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 and somebody's paying for it. So uh, between HBO Go, uh, I would like to have Showtime, Netflix, and uh, Amazon Prime, 
it's it's very seldom that I can't get a hold of something that I want to watch. And if I need to, I will resort to torrenting or, you know, I'll, I'll look on Amazon and see how expensive it is. But usually it's exorbitantly expensive to, to see something. I did recently purchase the third season of Louie or the fourth season of Louie because I really love that show. And it was $2 an episode and it was well worth the $2 an episode. It was, it was fantastic. So, uh, I wish that it was simultaneously available on Netflix, but with the development that's been going on, on Amazon originals and uh, Netflix originals, I really am not missing much. Uh, it's, it certainly is not the case that I am ever wanting for something to watch on my big screen. So this combined with Chromecast, the $35 HDMI dongle that allows me to pick up my tablet or pick up my phone or open up my browser and be able to get what's on my screen, whether it be media or whether it be uh, content from one of the app providers like Netflix onto my screen. That's been beautiful. And that combined with Plex, uh, which is the um, server-based, it's a media server that you run on your machine where all your media is stored and are able to easily not only get it to your Chromecast or your Roku, uh, but also to get it to your friends. So if you had a Plex account, for example, and you had it on the machine where all of your media res resides, you could make a relationship with me because I have an account on Plex and you would have an account on Plex, both of which are free. I'd be able to share my content with you and you'd be able to share your content with me. And it does not mean that anybody outside of our circle would be able to see it, but it's no different than you making a VHS copy of your content and handing it to me because the quality is not prime quality. It's maybe as good as your video right now. And so well, that's actually that's actually you know, when the way you describe it, because I remember you uh, back in our early days, in our old fashioned podcasting days, uh, it was actually, I remember we were at Panera Bread <laughs> uh, recording and you mentioned a. Um, your dream was to have a uh, service that where you could have media and share it with somebody in in, in your circle. So that's so. It's, it sucks. No, I mean, as far as I, I do not miss cable in the least. Now, you have a special case because you are so driven by sports. I'm not. And so for me, as long as I can get documentaries and relatively recent movies and uh, series, television series, uh, in, in whatever format they come in, usually in the form of Netflix, I'm happy. I, I could not possibly be happier. And for me to be able to go on to Plex and to be able to connect to my friend's server and send that to my television, even though he or she is miles and miles and miles away, is such a beautiful thing. And Plex manages MPEG-4, AVI, MPEG-3, uh, photos. So I can take my entire photo collection and make it available to somebody or some portion of my photo collection and make it available to somebody. I can take all of my movies or a portion of my movies and make them available 
It has all of the features that you would expect from a media service, like uh, ratings, and it automatically goes up to certain services, grabs uh, cover photos, it grabs um, uh, subtitle files, and goes and grabs them, downloads them, and makes them available, and according to my settings, will automatically begin to play the subtitles along with my media. It, it, I really, we live in such a wonderful time and it is mostly uh, manageable by me. It's not necessarily open, uh, which I would prefer, but what it is is gloriously easy for me to get to what it is that I want to watch, usually uh, movies on Netflix or movies that I have uh, ripped off of DVDs, and make them available on my big screen, even though my movies might not even be in this apartment. They might be somewhere else. Right. Well, and you, you mentioned my issues with cord cutting, which, you know, in theory, I'd be all on board with. Uh, but you mentioned, you know, I'm a sports fan and, you know, online sports packages are, are, are limiting. I mean, even though they, they exist and you could watch sports online and, and stream those, um, you know, to your TV, you know, it's expensive. And then there's the local blackouts. So you can't even get your local team. So if you live in the market of your favorite team, like I, you know, I live in the Philly market. I like the Phillies. You know, I could subscribe to MLB.TV, but I can't watch the Phillies games. I can watch all the other games, but I can't watch the team that I want to see, even though I'm paying that money, which is which is phenomenally stupid. I I still don't understand how the the sports leagues get away with that but i mean it's it's a leftover from a from a previous time yeah and and i still don't understand how nobody has figured out we're not in that time anymore i mean because that time meant money for those organizations and they don't want to lose that money but meanwhile they could make a lot more if they could engage the users and give them what they want, as opposed to holding on to a former time. But that's, that's cable in general. I mean, Comcast, think about the Ryan block uh, Comcast call where the, the, uh, it was a recording. Right. Right. Was trying to cancel his service and went on for 20 minutes trying to retain that service. Right, because Comcast had directed that every call had to be a sell. Right, exactly right. And so, and even though as embarrassing that call was, Comcast then, you know, didn't even, you know, say, oh, you know, we're we're so sorry for that experience. They actually came out and said, oh well, you know, that customer service person did a lot of the things we 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 instruct them to do. It's like they weren't even they didn't even apologize for it. They 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 owned it which is phenomenally crazy. And I'm saying phenomenally too much in this, in this episode, but yeah, it was, that was nuts. That Comcast basically said, yeah, that's what we tell them to do. So, I mean, that, that alone tells you where the cable TV industry is. I, and I mean, I don't necessarily think that Verizon is any better. I I don't think that, um, you know, whether it be Comcast or Verizon or even DirecTV. I had DirecTV for a long time and really loved the service. 
but it, it was the same kind of a thing. At, at the time when I had DirecTV, there wasn't such a mandate to have all these boxes where, you know, for every TV there was a box. Um, but even if you just have a single uh, device, a single television, that you it, it seems like so much trouble. I had to reboot my uh, Verizon box every day when I had it because it would just freeze. It would freeze up or it wouldn't show me the things that I paid for or whatever. And it wasn't like I was trying to get over on the system. I was trying to pay into the system in order to get what I wanted. And it just was, wow, it was horrible. Actually, it's, it's funny you mention that because just before uh, I came down to, to start this uh... – um, webcast. Uh, I just recently uh, purchased uh, stars on our Verizon service because my wife is. Uh, she saw they had a free preview when uh, Outlander premiered, the new series on stars, which, by the way, was influenced by an old Doctor Who episode um, from the Patrick Troughton era. But uh, she she watched it and she, you know hinted that she wanted to, you know, see more episodes. So uh, the other night I just happened to buy it and she was going to try to catch up on, on the episodes that she missed. And she went to on demand and, and it was coming out. It was all scrambled. They couldn't stream it. I, so I had to reboot, you know, our box. So. Well, it seems like it's, there's always uh, an effort to protect the content as opposed to an effort to make it easy for somebody who's paying for the content to get to it. And that's a lot different than Netflix. You know, Netflix is a buffet and Comcast is a, uh, you know, I don't even know what the equivalent is sort of like a, one of those sushi bars with the rotating sushi. Every time you want to bite, you got to you know pay for it. Yeah. I, I just prefer the buffet, you know, and I may not even, I'll, I'll pay for, uh, the, the right to have whatever I want, and I may not use it. Same is true for music, you know. The, the fact that I can take my device and I can open it up and have access to everything right now, essentially for, uh, you know, the, the like 14 bucks a month, <laughs> essentially, between Netflix and um, Amazon, that, that's, I think, what I'm paying. Yeah, and 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 that's you know that's reasonable. And getting back to sports, I mean that's that's that was the one thing. You know, when I was looking at the prices, I mean I I know it was pricey, but you know, so if I wanted to watch all four U.S. professional major sports leagues, you know, full seasons, yeah, MLB is is one twenty nine ninety nine, which when you consider how many games there are, is actually not a bad deal. And you get the MLB app app for free, the mobile app for free. Uh, so you can watch on your mobile device. So 130, not bad. But again, no local teams. There's there's a blackout if you're living in you know the market of your favorite team. NFL. Wait, oh, and don't even get me started on the NFL after this debacle today. I mean that's I'm not even going to go there. But I'll just say they totally messed up this Ray Rice situation like phenomenally. Phenomenally, once again, and I don't think I have used it more fittingly than I just did. I have no idea what you're talking about. I, I Well, get caught up on it. It's disturbing and disgusting, and the NFL is a PR nightmare right now. But um, 
to get their Sunday ticket package for your laptop or mobile device. It's three hundred twenty nine ninety four for the season. I, and wow, I just yeah. picture I, I'm so outside of the sports phenomenon. Like I'm not a gamer, not not into sports. It it just it seems so crazy to me that that the the teams that you want to see you're not able to see, right? Right. And you still are paying three hundred and thirty bucks a month, or three hundred and thirty yeah. bucks. I, I think I think with the NFL you do get your your, your home team. Um, I, I don't think I think it still applies with NHL and NBA, but NFL I think it's different because the blackout rules are based on attendance, home attendance. And so as long as the Eagles sell out, which they will, their home games, you know, they'll, they're, I, I think they're covered because that's the way broadcast works. So you, if, so say the Eagles, I, there's a certain number they have to hit to, to consider a sellout. It doesn't have to be a total sellout, but there's a number that they have to hit in order for it to be considered a sellout. And as long as they reach that, which they will do for the foreseeable future, you know, their home games won't be blacked out in the home market. But there were times back, you know, when they stunk that that wasn't the case. You know, sometimes you wouldn't be able to watch the Eagles if they were they had a home game because, you know, they wouldn't sell out. And sometimes a local station will buy the tickets, but if it's too much to overcome, which there it was back in the day, back at the vet when they were they were terrible and they were in a crappy stadium, you know, you know, the, the, the broadcaster wasn't going to, the, the local station wasn't going to buy the tickets because it was, wasn't worth their effort. So there were times back in the you know dark ages that the Eagles would be blacked out, but I don't think that applies to NFL, but I think it does still the NHL and NBA. And there, that's a hundred, $159 for NHL's streaming video package and the digital only subscription for the NBA is uh, actually starts at 149. So I mean to basically get all four, you know, for each season, each each league season. I mean we're talking close to $800, and that's you know that's that's crazy. And you know for me the game changer would be, you know, to get some of those blackout rules abolished. You know, especially in baseball. And the FCC has actually been pushing for it. And I know during the last offseason, there was talk that baseball was going to finally, um, you know, get rid of it. But apparently they're still going to, you know, they're going to come back around this offseason. I think the FCC is still trying to get them to, to relent on that. But um, and the other thing would be, you know, if offering like, I don't understand how they don't offer, like, favorite team packages. Like, it's either all or nothing. Like, you know, when I'm watching TV, I get the games in my home market. I get, you know, I'm a Phillies fan because I'm in this area. You know, that's how I became a Phillies fan. And, uh, you know, it, it just... It amazes me that you can't just, oh, I just want to buy the Phillies games. I just want to buy Eagles games. I just want to buy Flyers and Sixers. You know, if it was like $30 a year, that's a lot better than $800. Mm. You know, I, I, I would do that. You know, if it was like less than $200 combined for for my teams, my pro teams, I, w- I would do that. But, you know, that's not 
that's not an option right now. And I don't know if that's going to even, I don't even think anybody's even talking about that. And then, you know, the other issue you talked about being fans, a fan of, you know, Breaking Bad and, and the shows on AMC and, um, you know, and my issue is Doctor Who, you know, I'm diehard Doctor Who fan and, you know, there's no legal streaming option right now that would give me access to BBC America content. You know, I'd have to wait for an episode to get on iTunes or much later on Netflix. I mean, iTunes is like a day wait or something like that. Well, this raises another issue for, for me. It, if What it comes down to for me is that if you can be patient, everything's fine. Right. <laughs> you know? and, and so, like, for example, surprisingly... Uh, I was upset because I don't have cable. I don't even have an over-the-air antenna because I tried one that did not work here. Um, and so I was not able to watch the FX uh, series Cosmos, the reboot of um, the Carl Sagan uh, bit with uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson. And I was upset about that, but I, quite honestly, I forgot about it. And every once in a while, I would see something on Facebook, and I would say, uh, oh, wow, I really wish I could watch that. And then it, like, popped up on Netflix after the season was over. And I was like, hey. And I was able to gorge it without without commercials. You know? Nice. And, yeah. Uh, w- what was beautiful about that was if I had been able to watch it live, I would have enjoyed it less because all the commercials would have gotten in the way of me being able to enjoy it the way that I did when it was on Netflix, which is the way it should really be seen. And, and that's that's true. I mean, that's the case with Doctor Who. I mean, BBC America put so many commercials, and obviously the original versions don't have commercials because BBC doesn't have commercials. It's paid for by a viewer's license fee. Yeah. So, yeah, so, uh, you know, the... The Netflix versions, you know, the DVD versions, you know, correct that. Yeah. So, uh, and, and, you know, you mentioned, you mentioned the, uh, over the air digital antenna. You know, that's a solution to the sports thing. But again, you know, you mentioned like they're, they're hit and miss. It's, it's, you know, I've heard some, you know, some good things and some bad things. I mean, so I don't know, you know, what, how reliable, you know, the digital antennas are. Um, you know, I think it depends on wh- where you are, your location, and, and uh, you know, and, and being, you know, I'd be getting Philly signals. I don't know, you know, we're on the northern fringes of the Philly market. So, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know if that would be an option. On, on my car radio, I have a digital HD radio, and, you know, out where I am in Plainsboro, uh, Philadelphia stations over the air, are, are spotty at best. You know, if I try to listen to NPR, for example, uh, the Philly station is, is usually better than the New Jersey station, in my opinion, uh, for NPR. And so I, I would just prefer to listen to a podcast. What do I care whether I hear something at 3 o'clock in the afternoon just because that's when it premiered? I, I would rather it just show up on my phone and I play it whenever I want. Right. And, Quite honestly, I would. I wish everything was like that. I wish I could just subscribe to the Breaking Bad app and have it show up whenever, or use Netflix in order to allow me to watch it whenever. I don't care necessarily about the water cooler moments 
of being able to enjoy something in concert with the rest of everybody. I just want to be able to watch it. And so if I knew, for example, that a show that's currently hot is going to show up on Netflix uh, six months after it premieres, I would just calm down and continue to pay Netflix, you know, but things are not typically announced that way. Right. So uh, I see here in the rundown that we're going to talk about the new uh, Roku and uh, TiVo devices. Yes, I I saw the New York Times uh, review uh, by uh, one of our favorite podcasters. Yeah. Molly Wood. Yeah. So uh, let me see if I can... uh... I'm not going to play the video, but, uh-oh. Yep, you know what I'm, you know I'm going to try to do? Oh, uh, don't. Yep. Uh, except I can't find it now. Oh, screen share. There we go. So I, I heard an overview of this device, and I thought it was interesting. There were four over-the-air, well, specifically the, um, the TiVo uh, device with four over-the-air antenna connection capabilities and the ability to record those uh, four signals concurrently. Right. Yeah, so the, the whole the thing about these devices is that, yes, it's, it's trying to reach out for the over-the-air market. Actually, I guess picking up from where Arrow... Bell, you know, the, the, the company that was doing the kind of micro antennas, I'm not sure what they call them, I can't remember now, but, um, you know. Another reason why I couldn't, I can't stand Comcast and their ilk. Yeah, and, and, and you know, it, it's so funny, remember, you know, the book that we read, John, John had tried to, uh, backstory, John tried to organize a uh, yeah. book club, a digital, or an e-book club. And uh, only a couple of us wind up doing it. But um, the book we read was, oh, help me. What was the book you, you chose? It was uh, Free by... Yeah, but... What's his name? Ah. He's a wired publisher. Yeah. Oh. Hold on. I have it here. Well, anyway, I'll, I'll, let me keep going. Uh, so in that in that book, it talked about how the cable industry was born out of piracy. Yeah. They they basically were stealing signals of, of over-the-air stations uh, and packaging packaging them yeah, packaging them up and 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 distributing them over cables to areas that had trouble receiving over-the-air uh, transmissions. Chris Anderson. Yeah, and Ro- what was that? Chris Anderson. No, nah, that wasn't what we read. Oh. Um, that wasn't it. Oh, but, oh you're talking about um, uh, free, not the Electronic Frontier Foundation guy. Yeah. Right, because we couldn't read free because it was not free. I wanted to put <laughs> Ironically. Uh, yeah, so it talked about how the cable industry was born, uh, you know, from stealing these uh, these transmissions uh, from content uh, 
producers and and distributing them to people you know who lived in these rural area, rural areas that couldn't get over the air broadcasts and they there were lawsuits and 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 challenges but the cable companies you know one prevailed for the longest time it wasn't until later i think that they had to start paying like the license fees but that time took uh, or that time where they had free reign allowed the industry to grow and prosper and, and by the time they had to start paying you know they could afford it so and here's this company arrow who is kind of doing the same thing but in a modern way and the cable industry and, and the broadcasters just you know shot them down and this time the courts were like no yeah you have to pay for this so i mean that was the ironic part about the, all that was that arrow didn't get the same benefit of the doubt that the cable industry did in its heyday and it was the cable industry that helped shut them down so i mean that is really hypocritical but anyway so these devices these roku and uh, roku and uh tivo devices are uh, you know are both designed to capture over the air digital broadcasts and trying to capture some of the consumers lost in the arrow uh shut down and uh oh i haven't i've been keeping it on yep yep i forgot how to uh get it off there nope there we go yes. so yeah so the so the roku uh what what is the Uh, Roku smart TVs include a secret weapon instead of browsing one streaming service at a time for something to watch these TVs let you search for a show actor director across the most popular program sources now the thing about these is that you have to there's a subscription to the TV guide listings which i think it, it i think it's like $15 a month i may be wrong on that that seems high Uh I'm trying to find yeah one downside to TiVo is it's $15 a month service cost unlike some other TiVo models there's no option with the Romeo OTA to pay for a lifetime subscription up front so you'll definitely be trading one subscription for another However, but Molly Wood says however $15 a month even including the cost of subscriptions like Netflix or Hulu Plus and internet access is still cheaper than most cable packages. But, you know, again though, now you're you're limiting your options. I mean, if you're paying $15 a month just for the service, you know, that might be, you know, one or two subscriptions you can't you know, you have to sacrifice. So there are there are still some drawbacks to these. Um I mean it it depends it, it, for me if I had a good over the air signal here the Romeo would be fantastic I would I would probably gladly pay the 15 bucks a month in order to have it but um right but if you're serious but if you're budgeting your you know sometimes the reason for cable cord cutting is you know budgeting is to say oh I can't afford cable in in my particular case that it, it 
it's part of the reason, but it's a relatively small part of the reason. I I rely on media, and so I'm I'm willing to pay when I'm willing to pay. If I'm willing to pay seven bucks a month to Google Music and seven bucks a month to uh, Netflix and whatever a month, you know, seventy dollars a year to Amazon. What's another fifteen bucks in order to get prime content? I and not have to interact with the cable company. For me, it's mostly about my dislike for the cable company. Right. Oh, I'm st- I'm still on. No, you're not. You're you're fine. No, I was on you, or I was on me while you were talking. Sorry. Someday I'll. There we go. Someday I'll figure this out. There's a highlight uh, indication of. Yes, I know, but I was clicking on it and it wasn't going away. That finally did. <sighs> so anyway, um, and actually, I, I just saw this today. Uh, have you seen this new uh, TiVo storage unit? No. Hold on, let's let's show. Let's show this. It's a $5,000, 24 terabyte DVR storage unit for high-end users. Can hold up to 4,000 hours of HD programming, about five months, or up to 24,000 hours of standard definition TV, which is about three years, according to this uh, New York, oh no, sorry, a Variety uh, article. Well, so I mean, if, if, I, if I wanted to, I could pay $1,200 and set that up with Plex uh, with the same storage capability. Right. So I mean, I, I don't know whether you know almost four thousand dollars more is worth it for the TiVo interface when Plex does a pretty damn good job. Right. But I just saw that today, and I thought, you know, that was ridiculously over the top. But it's, it, it, it's it does. I, I mean, I, that's the one thing on my on my DVR. It's like I, you know finding the things to, to get rid of. There's so many things that I want to watch that I haven't seen yet, but I'm like, now that uh, Retro TV is airing old Doctor Who episodes, the old, old Doctor Who episodes, you know, William Hartnell and Patrick Troughton era. Uh, actually, I guess there's not that much Patrick Troughton era left, but they're, they're airing, you know, the classic Doctor Who episodes like every night. And now with new episodes of Modern Doctor Who on, it's like my DVR is, you know, getting filled up very quickly. Yes. I mean, I don't have this problem because I've gone mostly to a streaming methodology. And when I'm not streaming and I'm using locally stored media, I'm only limited by hard drive space. Right. So, I mean, this is... Like, I don't, I used to have to worry about that when I had a TiVo. We, we would, uh, my ex-wife and I would fight over uh, 
what was remaining on the television, not fight, but, you know, like, she would ask, can I get rid of that? And I'd be like, well, I'd really like to watch that, you know, and I'd say, <laughs> why don't you get rid of those episodes of Judge Judy or whatever? And it's like, uh, I, I don't have to worry about things like that anymore from a media perspective, right? It's like, I'm only limited by how much hard drive space is in here. And incidentally, I want to tell you about my new uh, setup um, that I'm talking on. This is a an amazing machine that I got at a surplus outlet for um, computer hardware. I got everything but the hard drive for 80 bucks, including two monitors, keyboard, mouse, and the CPU with eight gigs of RAM. It's like a 3.6 gigahertz machine. I went out and bought a two terabyte hard drive for a hundred bucks and I'm running Linux on it. Wow. Just it's source. It's, and I, what I was on before was Mac OS on a Mac pro that was really like it at its end of life. So for essentially 180 bucks, it, it is an amazing upgrade. Wow. Excellent. Um, by the way, I've, I've been wondering this whole time is, is, is that a sonic screwdriver or an e-cigarette? This is an e-cigarette. Okay, because it looks very much like a sonic screwdriver. Yeah. One of the next show, I'll have my sonic screwdriver, and you can have that, and we'll see what happens. But actually, uh, the other night, uh, I just wanted a quick side note. Uh, we were uh, we were down in Brigantine, and uh, we went to go see. Uh, I finally got my wife to see Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, so I got to see it a second time. And afterwards, we went out for pie at a local diner. Actually, we wound up having cake. But uh, the place, on the placemat, there was a, an ad for a uh, an establishment. I, I thought you liked the same. Planet of the Vapes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, New Jersey, there's some amazing uh, vaping lounges popping up. There's one that's like my current favorite in... Cherry Hill that, I mean, uh, it's called, um, it is called Greatest Vapes, and they just, they really know what they're doing there. As a matter of fact, I'm probably going to get an upgrade relatively soon, and um, that's the place where I'm going to get it built. They, they do great work there. Wait, these are custom built? Yeah. Oh. They're called uh, Mechanical Mods, and... What it does is allows you to control with much greater um, finesse the voltage and the amount of vapor that you produce, and uh, gives you a more intense flavor. And uh, it's it's why anybody smokes, I have no idea. Ah, uh, okay. Well, maybe maybe we should do a future episode just on on uh, custom mods for uh, e-cigarettes. Oh, I would love to do that because there, there's definitely an art to it and there's, it's, it's loaded with technology. Yeah. I would know nothing about it. So it's, it's, 
cool stuff even for somebody who doesn't participate from a technology perspective it's cool uh, okay. because now they're taking average users who know nothing about electric or electronics and they're becoming electronic engineers to some degree because they're making modifications to their devices in order to make them better producers of paper. Interesting. It is very interesting. Well, on that note, I, I guess we'll wrap up this fall 2014 season premiere of technology in the arts, unless you have anything else you'd like to add. Uh, no, I don't think so. I think we're, I think we are at the end. Okay. Well, thank you for joining us. Next Monday night, we'll be back to talk about art as community service. Uh, we'll look at how art and technology can bring communities together through libraries, uh, co-teaching, co-working opportunities, and public events like the massively popular Art All Night in Trenton, New Jersey, which is near and dear to the hearts of myself and John. So in the meantime, you can stay up to date on the latest happening with the show by visiting technologyintheartscom uh, going to our Facebook page, our Google Plus page, following, following us on Twitter at tech underscore arts, and also feel free to subscribe to our YouTube channel and search for us via your favorite podcatcher. Until next time, for Technology and the Arts, this is Brian Kelly. And this is John Lomaski. Take care. and views expressed by the hosts of Technology and the Arts do not necessarily represent those of guests of the program. Conversely, the thoughts and views expressed by guests of Technology and the Arts do not necessarily represent those of the hosts. For more information about the podcast you have just heard, please visit Technology and the Arts on the web at technologyandthearts.com.